Hi, it's Terence Wallace, and welcome to my new series, Stories from the Road. In 2014, I decided to leave the corporate world behind and start my own business, Indelible Adventures Inc. This is a culmination of my writing, photography, speaking, and travel, and uh, gave me a great opportunity to travel the world. And so, with my writing, I've been able to gather and collect many stories from all my adventures. So this series is a dedication to all of those stories. I hope you enjoy them. Join me this week as I explore the Kokoda Track in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. It was just over seven years ago that I found myself in Papua New Guinea and about to embark on the hike that would change my life forever along the Kokoda Track. It was a time that would change forever my perspective on life and all that was near and dear to me. A time of epiphanies and wonder. There were so many vivid and incredible memories of the trip, especially because my best mate Craig and I did it together. This week I've been thinking about our trip and wanted to share a few of the memories in my Stories from the Road series. There's no question that hiking Kokoda was the most difficult thing I'll ever do physically and to some degree mentally in my entire life. The hike itself was 140 kilometers of some of the most difficult terrain in the world, making our way through date palm groves, 2.5 meter elephant grass, and that was just getting out of the very first village. The real hiking came when we began climbing from sea level to 7,000 feet with our 50 plus pound packs over the next eight days on a slippery and muddy track about a meter wide through the virtually impenetrable jungle foliage of Papua New Guinea. For the vast majority of the people in the world, they've never even heard of Papua New Guinea. But it's an island between Australia and the Philippines, in fact, the largest island. And during World War II, a huge battle was fought there along this dirty, muddy track. In fact, the one I'm about to hike. We found ourselves arriving into the hot, sultry air of Port Moresby in Papua New Guinea, its capital. A day's rest before we hopped on a light plane and flew over the Owen Stanley Mountains to the village of Kokoda, which is about 600 miles from the equator, so it's very hot. Not just your ordinary summer hot, but suffocatingly hot, almost like you were in a sauna or a hot yoga class. But I was going to be in this for the next eight days, under a pack and over huge mountains, actually monumental climbs as I think back. One of the first things I noticed was how quickly I found myself sweating, and I mean dripping wet. This was to become the norm for the next eight days. Everything was constantly wet. You, your clothes, your gear, your boots, all which took on this very pungent and musty smell soon after we started. Yeah, it was pretty smelly. There's no question about that. I suppose the only good thing, if you can call it that, was that everyone, and I mean everyone, was, was exactly in the same boat. The reality is that it didn't take long to not notice the smells of either yourself or your ringable clothes or those around you, as you all smelled exactly the same. The reality was that we all became very quickly accustomed to climbing, at times holding onto roots of trees or vines to help us pull, up, pull us up the incredibly steep track and accordingly which felt never-ending. Generally, we stopped every hour or two for a five to 10 minute break. We'd flop down on the jungle floor or clearing, still panting from the lung-bursting climb, 
gulp down some water and perhaps a snack if we had something handy. In those moments it felt absolutely amazing to shed the weight of your pack, even for just a few minutes, almost as if you were weightless. If you were lucky enough to be closer to the front of the group, then you might get an extra couple of minutes, so I tried to make a point of trying to keep up front wherever possible. Most mornings, we had tea and dry crackers for breakfast, followed by a lunch of dry sausage and cheese, and more dry crackers and a mug of tea. Most evening meals, were port our porters would prepare rice with an assortment of jungle vegetables, and one night we added wild boar to our standard fare. Our porters had speared it early in the day during a foraging mission into the jungle during one of our breaks and cooked it over an open fire for us that night. The hike itself is along a narrow and muddy track that weaves its way from the village of Kokoda, high up into the mountains, passing through villages, with most nights camping on the edge of a village until we found ourselves at the arches at Owa's Corner. These villages are so remote that there are no roads, electricity or contact with the outside world, except for those intrepid souls that make the hike and pass through their village. Fortunately for us, as we passed through a village or stopped for the night, the porters would help procure fresh pineapples from the village garden. I can still see one of our porters walk with the local villager into the gardens, brandishing a large and razor-sharp machete so as to hack off a large fresh pineapple. And it was a great deal for five kina, which is about a $2 Canadian price. The taste was nothing like you'd buy from a supermarket, as it was dripping with the sweetest nectar that you'd ever imagine. Especially after hiking all day, it was a godsend. We'd split up one between three or four of us, and the juice covering our hands and faces as we hungrily gulped down the tasty chunks, then go wash off in the nearby stream. Although watching the local nonchalantly hack a fresh pineapple from the garden also reinforced to me that the inhabitants of these villages that were we were passing through were literally only a generation removed from being headhunters. These fierce tribesmen still had a most dangerous look about them. You definitely wouldn't want to cross them, that's for sure. Few of the men were dressed in anything but a loincloth, and many with their large machetes evident in their waistbands or spears by their side. It was very intimidating, if you know what I mean. Today the tribes along the our track are friendly and welcoming, but Papua New Guinea as a country has the highest number of languages spoken in the world in place with a whopping 840 different languages. Now I'm not talking dialects, I'm talking actual different languages. No wonder there are so often so many tribal wars. No one was able to understand what the other tribe was saying. And you could see how that might lead to violence and bloodshed. As an example, we pass through the village of Afogi. You see, there is an Afogi on the hill or the mountain, and an afogi in the valley. From the village hilltop of afogi, you can see afogi in the valley, quite clearly less than a kilometre deep into the valley below. But the most fascinating part is that they actually speak two totally different languages, and rarely mix. And there remains a climate of awareness between the two villages that somehow has never been broached. The majority of our porters were mostly from the village of Kagi, which is about a third of the way along the track. These men and women were incredible for the number of reasons. Not only were they warm and friendly, but saved a few of us from major mishaps, that is, slipping off the narrow mountain track with a friendly hold of the back of your pack as you started to slip and slide. 
They walked the track in bare feet with packs closer to 70 pounds or more, but they helped us navigate and ford rivers, sometimes over a downed log and other times through the fast rushing water. One of the most memorable nights on the track was the night in Kagi when the local church choir sang for us, both at their regular church service, but also after dinner around their campfire. Listening to their exquisite voices and songs relaxed me to the point of nodding off. Yep, it was only 7pm, but realising sleep wasn't far off, I bid my nights good night and wandered quietly to my tent. It was amazing to fall asleep to the sound of these beautiful, harmonious voices. Our headporter's name was Irul Mudman Sinisi. It was com completely impossible to guess his age, but he could have been anywhere between 30 and 50 years old. Mudman, as he was commonly referred to, was a quiet and somewhat shy fellow with, his with us trackers, but a seemingly tough taskmaster went on the track or in the bush with the boys. He was the boss, no question about that, and each day he directed them as if he were a conductor leading an orchestra. He was completely in tune with each and every porter, irrespective of age or experience, and knew exactly what was needed to ensure the trip was a success for everyone concerned. Mudman was up early each day coordinating all the logistics for the day ahead, often sending out a couple of the boys out along the track as early as 3.30am so that we could find a spot for morning tea, get a campfire going and a billy of hot water prepared for us. The rest of us were up at 4.30 and ready for our 6am start to the hike, which often was a 10 to 12 hour hike, grind or whatever you want to call it, through these incredibly tough mountainous ranges. So I just want you to close your eyes for a moment and imagine the following scene. It's approaching 6am, you're deep in the heart of the Papuan jungle, the air thick with humidity, the ground soggy after monsoonal rains the night before, the pitter-patter of dripping canopy all around you, and the acrid smell of wood smoke thick in the air as it hovers over the campsite, and everything you're wearing is soaking wet and extremely smelly. Add this to the exhaustion factor because you've been up since 4.30am and now getting ready to face another 10 to 12 hours of extreme hiking. Mudman would scream, packs on! Then, with the cadence of a well-trained drill instructor, lead us in our daily war cry to get everyone started. Then he'd always end with the classic line, let's rock and roll, up or down, depending on our immediate trajectory in the jungle. This he used in his unique and precise tones, then we'd all set off for another day of high adventure in the jungles of Papua. All I can say was, I was living the dream. The hike across Papua New Guinea with my best mate Craig truly was one of the defining moments of my life. From this point forward, I decided to look at life in a very different way and truly was a life-defining moment. If you ever have the chance to go to Papua and particularly to hike the Kokoda track, do it. You'll be so glad that you did. Thanks for listening to my adventure across Papua New Guinea. And until next week, all the best. Have a great week. If you'd like to learn more about Indelible Adventures or the services we provide, please visit our website at www.indelibleadventures.com. Well, thanks for listening, and until next time, ciao!